your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators podcast. Welcome inside episode 209 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. And today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your first order. So while we await the decision on where the Canadian teams will play, we do have some more information trickling in. Just how many games and what time span, how the negotiations are going with British Columbia, Quebec, and Ontario, and a whole lot more. But really, we're awaiting the schedule. When can we see the Senators on the ice? In the meantime, the Nodak Sens finished up their final game in the NCHC pod, and Pilsy nailed their win total. We'll get into all that, some notes on there, and tease tomorrow's guest before we have another friend of the show on today. It's Tony Ferrari, the head of North American Scouting at Dauber Prospects. He released his 31-31 and 31 dissecting the Sens rebuild and system. So always great to chat with Tony, and we get into all that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Monday, December 21st, and Pilsy, my heart stopped last night when I saw Shane Pinto go flying into the boards, but good news after the game, head coach Brad Berry saying it looked worse than it ultimately was. Yeah, well, I mean, it looked bad, and especially whenever you get your number one centerman uh, going into the boards, favoring their arm or shoulder, like your shoulder, that's a main part of winning faceoffs, and that's a big part of Shane Pinto's game. So you're hoping that he's okay, and this is kind of the second scary incident we had with Shane Pinto. Remember that player coming out of the penalty box that uh, absolutely annihilated him in open ice? So it's been a tough tournament uh, physically for Shane Pinto, but hey, he's a tough guy, and he's producing on the ice regardless. No player in the NCHC pod had more points than Pinto's 13. He was tied with senior captain Jordan Kawaguchi. What a legend Kawaguchi is. Had a point in all 10 games. The only player to have that achievement. Whereas he's also the first Nodak player to reach 100 points, which he did in the pod as well. But I want to get back to what you said about Pinto getting banged up. Also scored a goal, a deflection, no surprise, off a of one face-off. But now that we've seen him in 10 games in 21 days, to me, that showed even further that he can go through the rigors of a pro-style schedule. They were, they were game day, game off. Even a couple back-to-backs like they had Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, and look, obviously COVID's been a tough time, but you got to try to look for, for silver linings here. And this is a silver lining. It, it canceled their season early last year, too early. They had a chance at a championship run. So Shane Pinto says, I want to come back. I'm not going to hop into pro yet. I have unfinished business. And he gets a pro-style schedule at Nodak and is going to finish up that business. So I think it's, it's a win-win there. And as long as he stays healthy and this shoulder or arm issue isn't an issue like Coach Bradbury said, we're going to see a hell of a lot more of Pinto coming ahead here outside the pod. 7-2-1, the Nodak Sens finish their pod, finishing with the most points 
out of any team. So they'll go into the holiday break in first place, looking to resume on New Year's Eve in Omaha. No, it's not the pod again. They're playing in all their own buildings, but they begin with a home-and-home against Omaha. So at the Baxter Arena against Johnny Tyconic, who, by the way, did score his first goal on Friday night. So they play 31st and 1st there, and then January 8th and 9th, back in Grand Forks and those are the games where you expect Jake Sanderson and Tyler Clevin to return to the lineup we'll get a whole lot more into the NCHC pod with Alex Heinert coming up tomorrow who just did a fantastic job broadcasting this event oh yeah Alex Heinert just an absolute stud definitely some on-air talent there but Ross before we get to that I want to quickly mention the rest of the schedule for uh, UND is kind of hilarious really They play Omaha four straight times. Then they play Denver twice. Then Colorado College three times. Then Denver two more times. Then Colorado College three times. Then Omaha twice more. So basically, well, no, not basically. The rest of their season is against Omaha, Denver, and Colorado College. So we're going to be seeing a lot of those three teams. So familiarity will sure play a factor. And I'm glad you mentioned Omaha and Colorado College, those two teams about to drop the puck here as we're recording on Monday afternoon. And that is when we conclude 38 games without a positive COVID test. So stick taps to everybody involved. Looking forward to getting Alex Heinert on the show again. He previewed the pod and now he'll be back to recap. He had an awesome sign off. This guy is just salt of the earth, just thanking absolutely everyone and anyone who had anything to do with the pod. I want to ask if he noticed a bump in engagement online when the Nodak Sens were in action, especially in those first three games. And we'll ask him about his first all team. Like, I want one line. Like, obviously, Pinto's got to be on it, but who else? Gucci has got to be riding shotgun with them. There's no question there. And then what? Carter Savoy is the other forward. You have to imagine tied for the lead in goals. But if you were going to do an all-UND, Reese Gaber right there as well with seven goals. Yeah, that, that line of Gaber, Kawaguchi, and Pinto is so good. And, man, Reese Gaber, I love his shot. Like, if you're, if you're an opposing goalie, it's so hard. to His release is so good, and his, his accuracy is just incredible. So for a young guy like Reese Gaber to have a coming-out party like this, like, Keep an eye out on him for uh, future years here in UND and future drafts for Pierre Dorian and the Ottawa Senators. Absolutely. We'll get a lot more into the NODAC and the NCHC tomorrow, but let's talk about, well, Tony's 31-31. and 31. But first, just a couple notes on the NHL. I mentioned it'll be a 56-game season, and if it starts January 13th, as is scheduled, and ends May 8th, that's 56 games in 116 days, Pilsy, almost four per week. That's even more than the pro-style schedule that Shane Pinto just experienced. Pro-pro-style schedule, I guess you could call it. But, man, uh, you got to pack these games and you got to get it done. The less time that uh, all this takes, the better, because time is not always on uh, everyone's side when you're talking about COVID. It's just more opportunity for things to go wrong. So I think it's good they got this jam-packed schedule. I'm glad they went to 56 games instead of 48. I think... Like, although maybe in the grand scheme things, it's not that much big of a difference, but I think those extra, what, eight games you're going to see coming down the stretch are going to be really important games and exciting to watch. Those games are going to have to have more players available, right? Because when you have that many games in that condensed a period, you're going to have 
probably a couple more injuries and you might just want to rotate guys in and out so they stay fresh. And that's where prospects come in. And that's what Tony was all over. Tony Ferrari, you know him as the head of North American scouting. And if you've been listening to this show a long time, a recurring guest and seriously a friend of the show. So with Tony's 31 and 31 with the Ottawa Senators, what was your biggest takeaway from it? Well, my biggest takeaway, I, I like that uh, Tony, he's, he's a self-proclaimed Leafs fan, so he, he's, not, uh, he's not usually covering the Sens, but he has been covering the Sens with Dollar Prospects, and he had a lot of interest going through the timeline of the Senators, starting from that Duchesne trade to where we are today, and hey, we all know the path it's taken, but I think it's interesting that he points out, although Sens fans probably feel smited the entire time this is happening, like... The amount of bad things you can't even make up. You couldn't even write this in a Hollywood script that's happened to the Ottawa Senators. But they have had incredible luck. Like the luck for them to get Brady at number four, then deferring that pick and Colorado falls to number four. So you don't feel that bad about it is pretty huge. And then the Carlson trade, when it happened, everyone's like, oh man, you just got a collection of like decent players. Probably nothing's really going to hit big here. And then you get Norris falsers and you get Stutzla at third overall like the luck that uh, happened here has been crazy and Ottawa Senators fans are better for it it's always darkest before the dawn and it's only up from here I'm fired up to chat with Tony so I'm gonna grab a built bar because it's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar and when I do I can always grab a different flavor that's because it comes in 16 amazing flavors eight have chocolate nut eight are chocolate nut free but as you found in that statement, they're all 100% covered in real chocolate. They're soft, they're easy to chew, and they're great for the health-conscious guy or girl. Built Bars are awesome because they have low-calorie, low-sugar, but they're high in protein and high in fiber. You know I call that a nutritional grand slam. Built Bars come in so many flavors that we here on the Locked On Senators podcast like to narrow it down with Pillsy's pick of the week. What do you have for us this week? This week, I'm going with another fruit-flavored Built Bar. When you think of chocolate, you don't always think of fruit flavor, especially chocolate protein bars, but Built Bar does things a little different, and you guys know it. I'm hitting you guys with the Built Bar Orange uh, around Christmas time, you know, chocolate oranges are always uh, a holiday kind of thing to put in a stocking, stocking stuffer. So why not stuff those stockings with Built Bar Orange? Order your Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. That's the Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code Locked On, and that'll get you 20% off your first order. All right, here he is. The head of North American scouting with Dauber Prospects, Tony Ferrari. All right, we now welcome a very special guest, a friend of the show, recurring guest. It's the head of North American scouting at Dauber Prospects, Tony Ferrari. How are you, man? Great to have you back. I'm good. I'm good, man. Like I'm, I'm just super happy to be here. I always enjoy hopping on your guys' show. Hey, so do we, and we're going to have you back later in the week as a World Junior Preview, you guys at Dauber, all over that, but you're also putting out your 31 in 31, one team at a time, analyzing their prospects. You lucked out, you got the Sens, which is what, the longest amount of homework you had? They've got depth at all positions. I want to know before we get into those positions, what was your biggest takeaway from going through this process? Man, it, it's been fun because like I, I've been the Ottawa Senators guy for a year and a half now there. So I, I've been doing all their prospects and trying to keep all that stuff up to date and stuff. And it, it's been really kind of an eye-opening experience on, on the Senators prospect pool because 
there's so many different opinions on it. Is it good? Is it bad? I know you guys were just talking about how JD's uh, elite prospects rankings had them at nine with the Leafs at 10. And even myself as a Leafs fan, like primarily, I looked at that and went, maybe that's a little too close. And, and when you look at it from the scope that they were looking at it from, I, I understand why they were close, but the Senators prospect pool is, is a really interesting prospect pool because prior to Tim Stutzler really kind of getting in, in here, you didn't really have that guy that you look at and go, that's our guy to build around. That's our star. And I mean, you look at maybe Thomas Shabbat and maybe he's that and Eric Brandstrom has, has got some of that shine on him as well. But now that you've got Tim Stutzler in there and I think Jake Sanderson's a guy that is right up there as well. So you've got that kind of the, the high end talent kind of coming in. But the thing that really interested me with the entire Senators prospect pool is how it got to where it was. And that was something I really dove into in the 31 and 31 is I, I kind of went on a timeline right from basically that conference finals loss to the, the starting at the Matt Duchesne trade when they acquired Duchesne and, and everything that happened in there from the weird Mike Hoffman trade to the Carlson trade that was bad and now it's great and, and things worked out so perfectly and, and just kind of how Lady Luck played a role in the Senators getting to this point because when you look at it from point A to point B, a lot of teams on the rebuild kind of tear things down, build a prospect pool and go from there. And the Senators kind of went all over the place. Like it was not a typical rebuild, but they're, they're where they're at and they're in a good position for the future. Okay, so we, we all know all the crazy stuff that has happened. Actually, it's worked out for Ross and I. We kind of started the podcast right around the Matt Duchesne trade, and then it's been an absolute roller coaster since then. But where are the Senators now? So they've, they've gone through the teardown. They've started rebuilding. What does it look like for them now, and what's their next step here? I think they're in a really interesting spot, and I've kind of compared them a couple times to that 2016-2017 Toronto Maple Leafs team where they had so much youth in the lineup, and there was rookies out of necessity because you just didn't have guys that were NHL-level players outside of those rookies. So I think next year with the Senators, you're going to get a lot of youth on that team, and you're going to have a lot of guys like Drake Batherson and Josh Norris making an impact at times throughout the season. And and maybe they're not all up there right on day one, but they'll be up there because – I think there's just other players that are just going to play themselves out of a spot because while they may be okay NHL players on a bad team, the Ottawa Senators are now on that rise up. And I think they'll probably have another bad year next year. I don't think it's going to be a playoff contending year by any means, but they're on that, they're on that trajectory where they look like they're going to be a pesky team again. Like they're, they were already tough to play against this year at times. Like I, I remember as a Leafs fan, I watched so many times where the, the Leafs would just have trouble with this Ottawa Senators team that, when you look at the roster, you're like, this shouldn't, this shouldn't happen. And, and that's a lot of the Leafs being complete garbage sometimes just randomly, but it, it's also the senators were tough to play against in every game they played this year. So that's going to be an improvement this year. I think they're going to be even tougher to play against and they're going to win a few more games. So while I don't expect them to have a top two, three pick again, I think they're going to be in the top 10 again. They're going to add another really good prospect. And I think this is like kind of that year where they start building and they start really progressing towards being a team that, we're starting to see what, what's going to happen as they take shape. Yeah, you hope that they're in the playoff conversation around yeah. the deadline at least. And with the D so heavily favored in this upcoming draft, and you're all over that, and I think they're pretty set on the back end now. So let those D get drafted top five. We'll grab one of the top forwards in the draft and go from there. And I also love the comparison to those Leafs in 2016-17 because they also added a goalie, Freddie Anderson, yep. same stage as Ottawa did with Matt Murray, although that's before – Freddie Anderson turned into Freddie Laleem, whereas Matt Murray still has those two cups when it matters come playoff time. But I also, I'm curious, when you were doing this uh, depth chart in terms of prospects, did you count Branstrom and Batherson or did, were they graduated already for you? So it was an interesting thing because a lot of years I, I look at the, the games played for that year or the games played total 
And I felt with both of these guys, like I kind of went into it a little bit in the, the article where I said, I, a lot of times I look for like 50, 50 plus games total or, or 35 plus games in the previous season. And both those guys were around that mark, but not at that mark. So I, I include, I did include them in, in everything. Um, but we all kind of know they're also, they're NHL players this year, I think. And, and it's, there's no doubt about them being guys that were kind of beyond at the prospect pool. At the prospect pool, we're looking at guys like Tim Stutzel and Jake Sanderson and in the K train, Tyler Clevin, like we're looking at those guys. So it's, they're, while I included them, I, they're almost quasi-prospects to me at this point. Yeah, we've kind of had a hard time with that too. Like sometimes we mention them in the same breath with prospects, and then other times you've already kind of automatically graduated them to the NHL. So let's, let's assume we're graduating Branstrom and Batherson. How many other players, sense prospects, do you expect to graduate to the NHL this season, at least to start the season? I think Logan Brown's got a really good shot. I think he's a guy that I think he needs to be in the NHL this year. It's, it's just time. He's not – the AHL is what it is, and it's not really benefiting him at this point to be there. He's, he's kind of shown he's above that level, and, and now he needs a shot at the NHL level. And I think with the Senators not having a ton of depth down the middle and not really looking at their team and going, all right, like every, this spot has to be locked in. Like there's a lot of room for lineups to be interchanged, and, and player A doesn't necessarily need to play on the second line. So – you can get a guy like Logan Brown up there, ease him in on the third line and work him up to the second or something like that. And I think he's a guy that's probably going to be in the NHL for the most of the next season. Um, Josh Norris is another guy I look at and I go, he's going to play NHL games. I don't know how many NHL games, but he's going to play NHL games this year because he was dominant at times at the, the AHL level. Like watching him last year was so much fun. So like that entire Belleville team is really, really good. Alex Formanton may be a guy who can, who can get in on the bottom six. I am not as big of an Alex Formanton guy as a lot of people, but He's kind of that next guy. And do we consider, I mean, we go back to, do we consider these guys prospects, but Philip, Philip Slapik and, and Rudolph Balsers, are they prospects anymore? Not really, but those guys are guys that I kind of expect to be full-time NHLers this year too. So it, it's not really the, the top, top guys that I, I think are going to get there this year outside of, like you said, Brandstrom and, and Batherson, but Logan Brown's got a, a really good shot. I think Josh Norris has got a chance to play games, but if we're looking at guys like Abramov, uh, Yarventi's not going to come over. I don't. So it, it's going to be a few guys this year. And, and I mean, Tim Stutzel, if he's there, like that's going to be so much fun because man, I, I just want to see him in the NHL this year. We should have asked him in the interview. Pilsy and I were talking the other day when you're coming to the world juniors, did you pack for two weeks or six months? And maybe yeah. that could have given us cause he's on, he's in Canadian soil right now. So we'll see where it goes. And you mentioned the elite Belleville senators team. I heard that their production staff was pretty good too, but graduating those guys batherson brown they made a pretty formidable duo last year with balsers a lot of the time and the year before it was nick paul do you yep. see any merit in starting them on a line together in the nhl kind of growing that chemistry a step further i think that could be a really good idea especially if you go you know what this is our third line put those two guys with yep. nick paul and you go hey like work your way in like ease yourself in you're not going to be expected to play against the top defenseman you're not going to be the only time you're going to play against top defensemen is if you're playing so well that the other team makes themselves have to play against you. So it, it's going to be one of those situations where I think you can ease those guys into the lineup. And then, like you said, pairing them together, giving them that familiarity, and even tossing Nick Paul in that line as, I guess, a veteran presence, but he's not like an old guy by any means. So you toss those guys together and let them kind of develop that chemistry because that's, again, kind of going back to that 2016-17 Leafs team, that's what the Leafs ended up doing. Like They had lines where they were like, Matthews Nylander let's toss it with Zach Hyman like we we need to play a line of all rookies so 
I, I think there's going to be times where the Senators are like, hey, we have three guys on a line that are under 23 or something. So I won't be shocked if that's something that they do. And I, I mean, it's a good, good move going forward. And it's interesting, too, because the Senators sometimes, to a fault, like that old school, like bigger body mentality. But you're looking at that line. They're all 6'3 and bigger. And yeah. Nick Paul is actually kind of catching on here. You got that two-year deal at upwards of $1.3 million. So good for him and, and being a full-time NHLer. So maybe you do feel a little more comfortable about having two guys with not as much experience on their line. We want to get into a few kind of hypotheticals, this guy or that guy. And I want to start with, and maybe this one isn't as fair, but of all the note accents, which one has impressed you the most this year? And maybe you can, you can put Shane Pinto in a different category, being the forward, and maybe we didn't get to see enough of Clevin and Sanderson, just the three games. But if you've been following them at all, which one's jumped off the page for you? Hope you're enjoying our chat with Tony. Before we get back to that, let's tell you about the online gambling home of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's betonline.ag. Are you ready for some football? Like the NFL, regular season, it's finishing up. The playoff picture becoming clearer and clearer. And since I started listening to Locked On Bets, a part of the Locked On family, I'm 7-2. and two. So do some math. I'm up a few units because... When you bet on betonline.ag, you get the best lines. There's only one place that has you covered and that you trust. And I'm learning to trust them over and over again. They keep lining my pockets with cash. That's betonline.ag. You can sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag. Just use the promo code that is exclusive to Locked On Shows. That is Locked On. That gets you a 50% welcome bonus. And This is a hockey show. We're hockey guys. We want to bet on hockey. You can bet on all sorts of different leagues. And right now, yes, some of them are in vacation. Some of them are on COVID breaks. But what we can tell you is that the futures are already set at betonline.ag. If you're an Ottawa Senators fan, you think Timmy Superstar is going to come in and light it up right away? You can get 2,000 plus 2,000 odds. That means if you risk $10, that's 200 when Timmy Superstar takes home the Calder, just like Daniel Alfredson did back in 96. If you're a goalie-friendly show, you like that we are, you can maybe sprinkle a little bit on Matt Murray. Some would say that's crazy, Pillsy. I'd say that's $4,000 to your pocket. But what you noticed is that DJ Smith on betonline.ag, the longest odds at the Jack Adams, you have to hop on that. The disrespect to DJ Smith. I mean, this is a guy, he's going to have a new collection of uh, young prospects on his team. He's going to have veteran firepower coming in with Daddy and Matt Murray coming. So I don't think it's that crazy that at least he could have a chance at the Jack Adams here. At plus 5,000, you got to sprinkle a couple shekels on that. I've already done it. You've already done that. Chris Traveler on our Send Central Citizen, as soon as we told him about it, he jumped on that. You got to jump on that because if DJ Smith wins the Jack Adams and you didn't hop in at plus 5,000, you're going to feel like one heck of a schmuck. BetOnline.ag, that's where to go to place those bets. And let me tell you it like this, Pilsy. If the Ottawa Senators somehow make the playoffs, that is the lock of the century that DJ Smith takes home the Jack Adams. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get into the action. Don't forget to use the promo code when you create your account on betonline.ag. That's locked on and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Now betonline.ag, we mentioned the partnership with us. 
here at Locked On. So if you want a specific line going forward, just let us know. We'll make it happen on betonline.ag. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, guys. Go to Bet Online. It's your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, I've enjoyed watching their games because they've been really, really fun to watch this year. Even in their losses, they've played good hockey for the most part. And I think the one guy that I, I need to give respect to here, and I don't want to, but is the K-Train, Tyler Clevin. And, and while I still don't have the highest ceiling for him or have the high hopes that many people do, he, he has impressed me to an extent. Like He's played fairly well with the, with the Nodax ends, and it's really starting to catch on. And while I still think he's fairly limited offensively, that one goal was really, really nice. You can't deny that. But it's one of those situations where, you know what? I'm more than willing to admit my my fault there and say, you know, maybe there is something there. But, yeah, he's he's been fun to watch. But, yeah, if I'm choosing one that impressed me the absolute most, it's got to be Jake Sanderson. This kid's poise, his maturity, the way he plays the game. Like, towards the end of last year, I think I even talked with you guys where I said, man, I don't know how big the gap is between him and Jamie Drysdale. And, and as the draft got closer, I, I started getting more and more confident in that. And I, I even tweeted out, like, hey, I think Jake Sanderson might be ahead of Jamie Drysdale. He, he ended up getting drafted ahead of him. And at this point, I still think he's a better prospect. The way this kid's trajectory has gone over the last year and a half has been insane. I've loved the way that he's just developed his game. Every time you're like, okay, well, now he's he's – a really good skater. How is his defense? Well, he's developing an extremely good defensive defenseman. Okay. Well, he's the defensive defenseman. How's his transition? He's the best transition defenseman in the draft. Okay. Well, he's not that great offensively towards the end of the year. He popped. And now with no, with the Nodak sends, he's still popping. He's still playing really well. He seems to add whatever it is that's missing from his game. It just all of a sudden is there the next day you watch him. So he's a guy that I look at and I'm like, man, maybe that's a guy that you look at on the sends in a few years and you're in, you're going, Maybe he's a little young, but does he deserve the captaincy or, or who has the captaincy at that point? And he's a guy that I think is going to end up with a letter on his chest, certainly in Ottawa. How about Berkey on Hockey Central saying he's gained 15 pounds since the draft too? Sheesh. 15 pounds since the draft. I'm just trying to put that in my mind. And I'm like, I don't couple, even know. A couple, pros, be, couple yeah. built bars you could say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just throw in a bunch of built bars, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hey, speaking of guys, uh, no uh, ad read intended here, but speaking <laughs> of guys that would love some built bars, two big guys playing in the AHL. I want to move to Belleville here quickly. And who do you think will have a more impactful season between these guys, Kastelich or Kelly? And we're talking big heart on Parker Kelly. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm a big Kastelich fan. He was a guy that kept catching my eye every time I'd watch him in junior. And he was just a guy that I look at and I'm like, maybe he doesn't make it to the NHL, but he's that guy that is that, uh, that AHL leader, or he's that guy that's on your fourth line and every single player on your team loves playing with him. And he's just like a, a glue guy. And, and I'm not a big fan of going, Oh, he's a glue guy. He's a, a character guy. And I, I've, I don't think that I've ever said that actually publicly to be completely honest, but this guy, every time I watch him play, I'm like, I'd find a spot in my lineup for him. Like, he does enough good things, and he doesn't hurt anything negatively. So why not get this guy in your lineup? Because he's clearly firing his team up. He's, he's making his, the guys around him better. He's, he's doing the little things that some other players don't want to do. So he's the kind of guy that I think when he's 26, 27, you put him with a rookie, and you, you get that rookie to kind of just understand, like, this is how you play the game. Like, you've got to do these little things. And, and he's one of those guys that I think could really do that. So I'm a big fan of him, so I'm, I'm going to lean towards him. 
Okay, fair enough. And with Parker Kelly, I mean, he got into 57 games last year. When I looked that up just now, I was expecting it to be a little bit less, but he's just a pest out there too. And just a tough guy to play against for for a guy his stature. Now, those two guys are going to get bigger roles in Belleville while Kaslik just coming in because they're going to have to graduate some other guys. And you mentioned two names. I'm curious which one you lean towards between Rudolph Balsers or Philip Schlappick. For me, these guys are two sides of the same coin. I probably lead Philip Chalapik a little bit better. I think he's got a, a little bit better of a complete game. He can affect things de- defensively and play on that third, fourth line and, and just be a responsible presence there. I think both these guys had offensive aspirations a few years ago, and we kind of all hope that they'd become guys that would be 50, 60-point guys maybe at their at their best. But they, their offensive games kind of seem to be tampered down a little bit. And I think with without the offensive pop, I think Philip Chalapik kind of provides a little bit more in all areas of the game. What about another example uh, on the left wing? I think the, these kind of left wing spots are where guys are fighting for a lot here. What about between Formanton and Abramov? I think Formanton plays a little bit more of a projectable game in terms of the NHL. I think Abramov's the higher skill guy. If this was a, a competition for the second line spot, then I, I'd probably lean toward Abramov. But I think Formanton's a guy that can kind of fill that bottom six. He can play on your penalty kill and I don't think Abramov can't do any of these things I just think he's a more valuable player if you if you uh, if you're allowed to play him in the top six or allowed to play him on a skilled third line maybe so or a second power play at least something yeah exactly like if you can get him offensive touches and in offensive positions then I think he's the guy but I think if you're going to be kind of putting him on the fourth line or putting him on the third line with with a couple of guys who aren't really offensively inclined then you're going to be wasting his talents a little bit let him just let him play in Belleville let him tear things up there until you need that offensive presence and someone gets injured in the top six or or that plays on the power play you bring him in then but uh, I think to start the year if one of those two guys made the team I think Formington would probably be able to do it in a, a bottom six role. The beauty, though, for those two is no waivers required, so they can go up and down however they need. That's not the case for Christian Willannon, but let's say there's one spot on the back end because I think Mike Riley's going to lock down a spot on that bottom pair, uh, probably with, ah, we'll wait and we'll tease that because we do have a question about the right side, D. But in terms of getting games right now, if there's one spot, is it Willannon or Branstrom that takes that for you? For me, it's Brandstrom, and it's a combination of the fact that he's, he's younger. I think he's probably the better player right now even. And I, I, I just think that Willannon is a guy that you, you can put in the bottom pair and you kind of put him on the team, but he's more of a quad A guy at the end of the day at this point. I think you're going to need to wait for some of those guys that the, the Senators brought in and, and kind of get them out of the way before he really kind of is able to secure a spot. But if he's playing that 7th D position, or I know there's going to be extra roster spots, so I'm sure he'll be on the roster. I think it's going to be one of those situations where he's the guy that if you have to kind of put him in, if you want to, you're playing a back-to-back, you toss him in, he can kind of fill in on just about any pair if you don't want to disrupt the other pairs, or he can kind of do a little bit of everything. So I think both of them are going to play valuable minutes for this team. But if I'm looking at a top six and I'm assembling it, I'd probably put Brandstrom ahead of him. Now let's go to the right side here. This guy we're really intrigued with is Artyom Zub. Like this guy comes over as a coveted right-hand shot free agent with lots of KHL experience, still a young guy. He chooses to go to the Ottawa Senators. And then what do they do? They acquire two more right shot defensemen. Like where do you see his role fitting in here? Is he going to be a seventh D that comes in and out of the lineup? Or is he going to have to beat out either Goody, Brown, or Zaitsev for a spot on the right side? I mean, in all honesty, if Zaitsev's contract wasn't a factor, I think he'd beat out Zaitsev for a spot. But I think with Zaitsev's contract, he's going to be in the lineup as unfortunate as that is. And 
I, I saw it for a few years in Toronto. I've seen it for the last couple of years in, in Ottawa with you guys there and stuff. And it's, it's not great, but uh, I think he's going to end up being that extra guy. I think I wasn't a huge fan of him as, as it was. I think his offensive totals the last couple of years, especially last year were a little bit inflated. I think he is more of a defensive guy and, I don't think he's going to really pop. I don't think it's going to be one of those situations where you're looking at it in two years and you're like, man, I can't believe he's playing on the second pair for Tampa or something, right? Like it's, it's going to be one of those situations where I think the worst case scenario here is he goes back to Russia and he starts playing over there again. Um, I look at this a lot, like a lot of what the Toronto Maple Leafs have done over the last few years where they, they bring over a guy like Mika Ar- Arpanen, I think his last name was, or they, they, there's a few guys they've brought in over that just never ended up working out. And I think Artem Zub might just end up falling into that category, to be completely honest. Well, I mean, Thomas Shabbat put uh, Igor Arzaganov back to the KHL in on opening yeah. night when he went right through him. I was at that game. Awesome to be there. But would you say that Artem Zub may be a little bit more of a ceiling than Igor Arzaganov, or are you saying right kind of par for the course? Yeah, you know, I, I think our, this is going to sound really bad considering we were, I was just kind of insulting the guy, but I think Artem Zub is a bit like Nikita Zaitsev. So, yeah, a little bit higher ceiling than, than Igor Orzhiganov, but I, I think unless he's really put in a, the right situation like Zaitsev was in his first year in Toronto, I, I don't think you can rely on him for, for a ton of real big minutes, to be completely honest. If he's, if he's on your third pairing, I think he'll be fine, but – I don't know what uh, what he's expecting to get out of the NHL because it's not really going to be a, a lineup a spot too high in the lineup. Well, that's fair, and there's a lot of great prospect questions, and you can go check out Tony's 31 for 31 on DauberProspects.com. We mentioned we're going to have Tony on later in the week for the World Junior Preview, so stay tuned for that. Tony, final question for me, though. Biggest riser. Now, we're going to save it because it's in your article for the past 12 months, but looking forward, who do you think could be the biggest riser if you do the same test next year? I'm looking at it, and I think Robbie Arvinti could be the guy. I think he's a guy that I th- I'm pretty high on already. I, I am a big fan of Robbie Arvinti. I think he's he's got all the talent in the world, and, and I've always said that, but he's got some some motor issues at times, and, and this year we haven't seen that. So I think when, when we look at it a year from now, Robbie Arvinti could be a guy that I'm like, man, he's just waiting to step into the NHL because his shot and his offensive game is really, really high end, and if he can kind of live up to the hype that he's had, then maybe he could be a really special prospect for the Senators. Well, we're really looking forward to the World Juniors getting to see him, hopefully, in a top six role with Finland. Like we said, we'll have Tony back on to break that down and more. Tony, always appreciate you having on the show. Thanks so much. No problem. Thanks for having me, guys. Always great to catch up with Tony. Stay tuned for his World Junior preview later this week. Speaking of previews, we are going through the organizational value rankings, as we're calling them. We started with honorable mentions at 64th. Now we're getting up to 50, but to get there, we have to start at number 52. It's Luke Lohite, who finished the NCHC pod second in a category, but maybe not the one you're looking for for a prospect. That was penalty minutes, and he was kicked out of one of the games, so 15 minutes there. But before we get to, and his season has started already, which is rare on this list, but last season for Luke Lohite, Minnesota Duluth kind of stuck behind some veterans and now taking that step. What are your expectations going into this year for Luke Lohite? Yeah, Luke Lohite, uh, I'll be honest, this is a guy that kind of gets lost in the shuffle for me, uh, especially when it comes to the college players. He gets so locked in on the Nodak Senators, you forget there's a couple other guys hanging around. Seventh round pick in 2018, 194th overall. Yeah, like you mentioned, last season he was at UMD, 33 games played, five goals, one assist. He was a dash five, 
So not so great. But I mean, for a freshman being on the fourth line to score five goals in a college season on a good team, that's not too bad. And you mentioned that he had 15 penalty minutes in one game in the pod. That's pretty uncharacteristic for him as last season he had eight penalty minutes total in 33 games. So very out of character for Luke Lohite. For this season, he's got two goals in nine games, not too bad. But I want to see him get a little more involved in the play and pick up some assists too, right? Like five goals, one assist. Like sprinkle in some assists there on the fourth line. Try to try to support your teammates. And who knows what's going to happen with Luke Lohite the rest of the season because maybe with uh, COVID and injuries, you see spots in the lineup uh, open up for him. The good thing is he's playing on a stacked Minnesota Duluth team. He's going to learn how to win under Coach Scott Sandlin who preaches defense. And Sandlin moved him to center throughout the NCHC pod. So taking reps at that position only shows that he's defensively responsible. And hey, very raw talent, but the goal he did score, and he has two in the pod, but that first one was an absolute beauty. So he does have a nose for the net. It's going to be a long way to develop, but I'll say something nice about him. He has that kind of off-the-rush goal-scoring talent, and that does benefit you when you're jumping from college to pro. Definitely. And I think that's where he he's a guy that he can play in a fourth line role and still chip in offensively because he can make something out of a nothing kind of play, which is definitely a positive attribute for Luke Lohite. I have a question for you, Ross. Do you think after this season, Luke Lohite maybe considers trying to transfer to a lesser school to get a little more ice time for his last two seasons? Or do you just say, hey, I got a good thing going here, getting a good education at UMD, playing under a successful, uh, good pedigree development program, and you just stick with that? Well, he's also a Minnesota boy, so he's probably grown up knowing that this is where he wants to play. You know how even in Minnesota, they take their high school hockey extremely seriously. He was the captain of Minnetonka, which is one of the prestigious high schools around there. Went to the BCHL for one year to, to kind of, you don't want to be that 18-year-old raw freshman. You want to be a little bit more mature, and that's just what he did. He showed he can put up some points in the BCHL, almost half a point a game as a 17-year-old. So when you look at his development curve, I think that, you just earn the trust within the system at Minnesota Duluth. And hopefully when he gets to be a junior or even a senior, then he's ready to really be a top six forward. And then, you know, you reassess from there. I think this guy's a long way from being um, a no doubt signee out of school. He could be a guy as a seventh round pick. You just see his rights, you know, kind of come and go. And, and that's the way it is. Speaking of coming and going, these two players are, uh, well-traveled, we'll say the least, but coming in at number 51 on our list. First, it's Matthew Pekka. He was picked up as a depth piece last year at the trade deadline. Well, I mean, they shipped out everyone. They needed NHL bodies. He ultimately only played nine games with Ottawa. But do you expect him to be on this taxi squad that we're expected to have this year? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. First, uh, let, let's wrap up the rest of his season. He, he had five games with the Habs, no points. 34 games with Laval, four goals, nine assists, but man, a dash 14, not looking good. Mind you, that was a garbage Laval team. Like when Laval came into Ottawa, you're expecting the top guys to get their cookies. So probably got some cookies against Pekka on the ice too. He's he's an example, the classic fringe NHLer, right? Like you're not totally confident giving him a lot of minutes in the NHL, but you're okay with it. And he can play a comfortable role in top six in Belleville. Where I think this gets interesting is I'm not sure you want both Matthew Pekka and Logan Shaw on your taxi squad. I think you wow, pick spoiler. Between, yeah. I think you pick between one of them because they're kind of the same role of player, right? So this is where you ask, do you do you want 
Matthew Pekka there, a guy who is okay in the NHL, but you're not super confident in him. And he doesn't exactly light it up in the AHL as well. So maybe he's a good guy to hang around, be ready. So I think we, you could see Matthew Pekka in a taxi squad role. If I'm being honest, though, I kind of wish that the Senators went with Jace Howerluck instead of Matthew Pekka here. I think they kind of had the option to choose between the two of them. And with Jace Howerluck, how, how efficiently he put up points when he was with the Ottawa Senators for a short sample size, mind you. But it looked like he was a decent NHL player. I think he's in Vancouver now, so good luck to him there. Yeah, that's just what it is. These depth guys, they come and go and they move around. And in Logan Shaw's case, we know that he comes from an awesome background. His dad was on this show for crying out loud. But to finish off my thoughts on Matthew Pekka first, he's a guy who instead of playing him in the AHL where he could be blocking more ice time from a developing player, I would just stick him on the the taxi squad. If you get injuries, if you want him to play a game or two, not the end of the world to get him in the lineup. And that is how I feel about Logan Shaw as well. But I also think that he provides a little bit more stability at the NHL level. I just think ultimately he's just a bit better a player. And that's why he comes in at number 50 on our list. Now he's been in the Winnipeg Jets organization the last few years and gotten NHL games, played 35 NHL games in Winnipeg this past season and was an even player, right? No goals, no assists, but he even played three games in the uh, the pod in the, in the summer. So that was an experience that he can build off as well. He's another guy I think should be on the taxi squad. And how about you, Pilsy? Yeah, I think with Logan Shaw, it's interesting because – I, I really do think you kind of pick pick between Michael Pekka, or <laughs> I knew I was going to do that, Matthew Pekka and Logan Shaw for the taxi squad. But we were talking off air before the show, and I think you made a good point where I think before the AHL starts, that's when you get your your Formantons, your Bramovs, your Balsas, your Schlappics, your Browns, all those guys. Get them on the taxi squad playing practicing with the NHL crew, getting used to pro pro life and getting uh, good chemistry with these guys. Then once the AHL starts, move kind of those younger top six AHL guys back to Belleville, then bring up the, some of the veterans that you're not too concerned about. Where where I'm different with Logan Shaw than Matthew Pekka is Logan Shaw is still a really good, effective AHL player. He, he's almost every season of his, his career, he's bounced between the NHL and the AHL. And he could put a good points and I think that's the kind of guy you want not only supporting the young guys but driving lines down in Belleville as well so I think maybe you consider keeping him playing in Belleville and you keep Matthew Pekka in the taxi squad decisions that will only have to be made if the AHL season does go as planned as we know everything which it will don't don't talk that out of it which the AHL is going it's going all right I'll I'll be Mr. Positive. It's a Monday. We need some positive energy. We have a great week coming up. Tony, you heard him on today's show. He's also previewing the World Juniors with us on Christmas Day. Yes, we're not taking Christmas off. You think we would? You crazy? We got that coming the day of the World Juniors. The day before the World Juniors on Thursday, we've got a returning friend of the show. It's going to be awesome to catch up with Sense Prospects. Yeah, it's been too long for Sense Prospects. and Last so, World Juniors. But hey, before we move on... Shout out to Tony Ferrari, officially the most recurring guest on the show. So he's come a long way from uh, saying from not including Thomas Shabbat on his uh, new era of really good caliber young defenseman to being the most recurring guest on your favorite Sens podcast. From our most recurring guest to a newly recurring guest, stay tuned tomorrow. Alex Heiner, the voice of North Dakota hockey, and make sure to subscribe to the Locked On Senators podcast wherever. 
you download yours and follow us on Twitter too for all sorts of good daily content at Send Central. For today, we say goodbye. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.